you've tuned into Mud Hut. Please do find me on Instagram and follow me and like my photos on ASHADC and on Twitter at ASHADC1 where you could probably see me fixing the wrongs and rights of the world. Enjoy today's episode. Have a great day. Today's transits, I'm going to just do a rough outline today for Wednesday the 10th of July, as I haven't got the most update chart in front of me right now, but basically the sun is in Cancer, the moon will be in Scorpio, Mercury will be in retrograde Leo, Venus in Cancer, Mars in Leo, Jupiter in retrograde Sagittarius, Saturn in retrograde Capricorn, Uranus in uh, Taurus, rather, Uranus is in Taurus, Neptune is retrograde Pisces, and Pluto is retrograde Capricorn, Chiron is retrograde Aries, and True Node is retrograde Cancer, and True Lilith is retrograde Aquarius, that lovely Lilith. So we have one, two, three, four, five, well, technically five planets, six if you count Chiron, and then the True Node is also in retrograde Cancer. Uh, For the Wednesday, the 10th of July, the Sun in Cancer and Moon in Scorpio. So going back to the day before yesterday's podcast when I had a little bit of a MIA moment MIA would have been born on a day like today where the sun and moon would have been in vaguely the same positioning as her birth although I'm pretty sure it says on one of her charts that she was born in Hounslow but um, it may, may not be the case so it may not be accurate um, certainly um, similar energies because if you're not in the same country it makes quite a big difference um, to me at least so if you were born in America or India or Canada or Mexico Argentina or it has a very very different vibration and uh, to be honest with you I my pattern and the way my mind works with recognising frequencies and pattern and um, emotions in individuals can really differ from where the person is born so it really is important to, to know where you're born <laughs> where were you born um, when you're doing someone's natal chart um, just as important is also knowing the exact time they were born to do their natal chart as if you don't know that, we wouldn't be able to give you what your rising sign is, which actually is sometimes more important than your sun sign in lots of cases and can guide you in certain situations where actually that would be probably more relevant than even your sun sign or your moon sign because your moon side sign is your emotion, isn't it? So um, if you do actually 
go to the trouble of getting your own natal chart done it's super interesting to have a little look and see if any of that resonates with you anyway those were the transits for today In this next segment, we have an interview with Rin from Catch's Kitchen Table, which is a mental health charity uh, based in Isleworth. You may have seen it in Brentford High Street, where they had a shop there uh, for a couple of years, I believe. And they also have a workshop barge in Isleworth, which is near the London Apprentice, and they also have a brand spanking new charity shop in St John's Road, number three St John's Road in Isleworth, and they do furniture, babies' clothes, and just a whole plethora of books and clothing, and you name it, they have it, and they have wonderful things there, and I would say it's the best charity shop in the United Kingdom. And if you have any donations, please, please, please do bring your donations down to the shop in St. John's Road in Isleworth. I shall be bringing some donations in on Friday. I'm going to pack my car up and um, I'll be taking some stuff down there. And also, I'm going to be just doing some painting there as well. Um... They have a, a room there that I've, I'm going to utilise and do and get working on some new projects. So if you're in the area, you can always come and say hi, and I'll be there volunteering when I can with Cathy's Kitchen. And um, I really thoroughly encourage anyone out there who um, just feels that there's something missing in their life just get involved with like a community thing um i'm very lucky to have um met rin and their group of merry men (laughs) carl and rin at the uh kathy's kitchen table i do honestly feel that what they do there is priceless it there is really nothing like this in the whole of london that well in west london where everyone's so affluent where there's sort of like hidden sections of society where you know you know you just put your head down and move on but I'm so happy to have met these guys here in West London and very happy to help them out whenever I can so this next interview is with Rin from Cather's Kitchen Table I'm here with Rin from Catcher's Kitchen Table, a charity shop in Isleworth, and I'm going to be asking Rin some questions. Hello, Rin. Hi. How are you today? Not too bad. Yeah, not bad. Um, I just wanted to ask you all about Catcher's Kitchen. Can you maybe just tell me a few things that maybe the people out there might not know about? Okay, so um, Catcher's Kitchen Table is a charity shop raising money for uh, Friends of Catcher charity, which is a mental health charity based in uh, Isleworth. Is it specifically just for people with mental health? Yeah, yeah, so it's uh, adults with mental health, yeah, severe and enduring, so schizophrenia, bipolar, affective disorder, etc. 
Um, how long have you been going for? As a um, when was it established? Uh, the charity was actually set up by uh, the service users themselves, uh, who were on uh, Ward Ashford, so Ashford Hospital. So it was actually developed by people who were actively um, experiencing a mental health breakdown. Uh, that's super interesting. Was that like ten years ago? Oh, oh, it was a very long time ago. It was about 25 years ago. Oh, right. Um, so, so if it was based in Ashford, how come it came sort of this way west, if you see what I mean? Um, well, long story short, uh, like everything goes through uh, transitional phases. And so the original uh, person, uh, Bob Cornell, um, he moved on to do different things. And uh, Carl Kirby Turner took over the running. And Carl had a history of working with barges. He set up the... Dutch Barge Association with other people, that was his sort of background and uh, so eventually it went from being on land to being on water. So, so super interesting because <laughs> not only have you got charity shops, there's one on Morton in Thames, where's the other one? Shepparton High Street. Shepparton High Street and also you have a barge uh, near the London Apprentice and uh, That's the main project, so it's a project but you do workshops there don't you? Um, well it's, it's actually as what you call self-directed so if you're in mental breakdown um, but you're looking for something to do um, we have a woodwork and artworking facility so people can come and make stuff with the express purpose of doing something creative which is beneficial and also not talking about being ill or just being ill which because something everyone wants to just think about that all the time what i really love about um your charity shops in particular is that it is like you say all volunteer run and people come here with all sorts of things that they you know have to cope with in life my, my experience of experiences of your shop is that um it's a really fun environment and it's a safe place for people of the community to get together and have somewhere regular for them to get to and it's such a shame in london that there isn't that many areas for you know people who are a little bit struggling in, in communities in london um how, how how can people come and get involved yeah, no, it's a really interesting point you raise. I mean, that's like that's part of a problem with our society is everything's become so retail-driven, so consumer-driven. There isn't any room for humanity sort of thing. Everything's about selling you something. So, yeah, we try to um, produce uh, the shop as a community-driven um, thing, which is, which is not just about people coming and buying goods in order to raise money for the charity which is important obviously with all the Tory cuts thanks very much Tories you know so um, it's about people actually just coming and maybe volunteering or being just making themselves a cup of tea um, maybe taking part in some activity or like yourself doing something creative like having a creative um, art, art space um, so uh, we're just here like 11 till 4 uh, Tuesday to Sunday so people can just pop in and just have a chat and just, I don't know, let us know how they're thinking and feeling and see what we can do, if anything, you know. So you're, you in particular, Rin, I find that you've all got your irons in many fires. Is that the right... Oh. Is that it, done? Uh, no, it's not done, no, no. Anyway. 
on to part two. I'm talking with Rin from Catcher's Charity Shop. And we've just been talking about the barge and the other two charity shops in um, Morton-on-Thames and Shepparton. Um, Rin has... I was just about going to say that, that saying, is it irons in many fires? Or um, it's something yeah, like that. Maybe. Or yeah, fingers in pies. But because you've got an allotment, I know about that. And you're well, very sort of... Um, I went to join the allotment with somebody who was running it and actually they'd left <laughs> so so I ended up it was such a lovely resource uh that and I, you've I got hens there too haven't you we got yeah we got some rescue hens yeah yeah we rescued some yeah um you'll probably haven't thought about it but you shed me a leaflet earlier today and it was about a festival in Brentford yeah do you want to tell me a little bit about what that's all about okay so um yeah I'm really concerned about um how we're mistreating the world in general um basically because of mass consumerism which you know is something that none of us have managed to escape in the west um and so I organized a festival for the environment on August 17th which is a Saturday it's 11 till 4 at Brentford Market Square Public Square 11 till 4 so trying to get together people in Hounslow that are doing stuff all around environmental initiatives just to sort of show just how many people really do care and that unity is strength that is you know you're underselling it there because it, there's so <laughs> many people um that are getting involved there's a bike there's a bike workshop there's what what else? Oh, we, uh, we've got um, the Heston Action Group who do amazing, I'm hoping they're going to make it, a couple of them are, are away but I'm hoping they're going to come, they do regular litter picks and they're doing like masses of work to improve the Heston area um, and they've gone from strength to strength, we've got Play Streets which is Hounslow's initiative for making it easier to shut your street, make it car free for a day so that kids can get outside and play. I didn't know you could do that. Exactly, so that's that's one of the things. We've got Michaela, uh, Kay, uh, Kaylee, Kaylee uh, coming from uh, Hounslow insect sightings, which I bet lots of people <laughs> didn't know existed. No. So if you spot a bug or a butterfly, Michaela's your woman to let her know what you've seen and where you've seen it, because they collect loads of data. Uh, we've got Amelia, who's going to come and look. Uh, she's got a bilip tem snail that she's rescuing because they're under threat from development and stuff, and just that not being dealt with properly or effectively. Um, we've got uh, uh, Speak Out, which is the local vulnerable adults. Uh, uh, they do all sorts of stuff, and they're going to do a play at two o'clock called Plastic. That sounds incredible. Yeah. There's all this stuff happening. And yeah, it, yeah. So, I mean, it's just like, we've got some... I mean, I love Hounslow. I love the borough of Hounslow. I used to live in Richmond, and, you know, Richmond was a bit of a cold space so for me. It was very, like well to do and it had some nice things but it was it didn't have that community heart that I never found and a lot of drinking as a Londoner myself I've um, really felt the absence of community uh, in the last 20 years with the sort of um, changing of like connecting people and you know sending people out of London if they need council housing and that sort of thing and I've really noticed that there's um, a lot of more affluent people living here as opposed Mm. to a mixture Um, so I would say somewhere like Richmond probably is more regenerated and certain echelon of society can afford to live there whereas Hounslow is still I mean I'm 
it's yeah it's, it's it's a different type of borough i mean there's a lot there's a greater ethnic diversity in hounslow um there's certainly a greater diversity of uh, income levels and you know and there is this sort of gentrification and social cleansing and these kind of uncomfortable words that nobody really wants to look at and particularly affordable housing you know that's a you know market rents are just not affordable to a lot of people and um you know as a you know, it's really sad, I think, to see a Labour council participating in in something that could be harmful to people. I know there's, like, Hobson's Choice slightly because of the cuts, but, you know, so it's Tory-driven. I don't think it's a Labour fault. But I, a bit being a rock and a hard place a lot of the time with this. Yeah, maybe. But, but I think they need to explain yeah. that to people a little bit more because we just think, how can, how can you be supporting this sort of thing where actually, you know... This goes against the grain, but I find that there's Labour, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I find that there's so many. In, oh, sorry, I'll wrap it up because we could go on forever, couldn't we? <laughs> but um, I'll wrap it up for now, and I'll, um, hopefully, Nick, um, I'll but be come down to the shop, yeah, yeah, come yeah. down to the shop, everybody, and also um, just get involved with um, Catcher's Kitchen in Brentford. Oh, no, not Brentford anymore in no. in Isleworth. So number three, St John's Road, Isleworth. That was an interview with Rin from Cathy's Kitchen Table. Um, I have been working for charity shops since I left school, since I was about, since I did my A-level, so I was probably about 18 or 19. Um, and I started working for Notting Hill Housing Trust originally in West London, um, a really big social housing charity which started off grassroots in Notting Hill um, with the Reverend Bruce Kendrick in 1964, I believe. Um, and it started off with best intentions to, uh, you know, um, fight off corrupt landlords like um, the Rackman family who um, were quite notorious back in the 50s and 60s for um, very ill housing, very poor housing conditions. And so they, I think a lot of charities do start off with very good uh, intentions. But then, of course, um, with success comes corporate <laughs> responsibility or corporate kind of perception or they, they kind of change their attitude towards what a charity should be and it becomes quite um, retail like Rim was saying earlier in that um, conversation and to be honest with you I tend not to shop in larger charity shops anymore um, mainly because I find that um, first of all the main thing is that when you get into the psychology of retail therapy as an as a animal, as a human being, you, we like to hunt and we like to find and look at things. And when it's all sort of, and so digging, rummaging in baskets and things like that and looking for books and finding things that aren't perfect is really kind of like part of the, 
part of the excitement of going into a charity shop. But nowadays, everything's branded and clean-lined and so, because I think there's an obsession with um, buying from charity shops being unclean. But if you buy high-end vintage, it's still worn by someone else in any retail outlet. It's probably been tried on by someone anyway, or touched by someone, unless it's in some kind of plastic film. Somebody's DNA is going to be on the item because obviously it's somebody's made it so you can't have a pure item that is not gonna so it's ridiculous to spend all that money on branding and they don't clean the clothes anyway unless they're quite good condition and there's this it's not possible to um with i mean the only thing they do in charity shops is steam clothes which is just as good as cleaning clothes because of course of the steam is hotter than boiling water so that will kill off anything that's possibly in there but um i digress i tend not to um shop in the more sort of branded charity shops because i think that they they should focus more on um selling stuff and not not um pulping books and giving everything to the ragman i think that it's possible i know there's so much surplus stuff and we need and you need to get things going and it's it's quite a tricky one with charity shops but um there is so there is so much waste actually in london alone and um there must there there, there ought to be maybe more uh mm, recycling places and i think there's gonna there should be like an app or something i'm just thinking of the top of the dome here where you know i mean i know that there's like upcycling and there's local things where people swap things or they say oh i want this has anyone got one of those things which is really good and um and there's that food app as well olio where um you can just sort of see if anyone's like got some tin tomatoes down the road and you've just won out and uh, you know it's it's, it's um, rather than throwing food away and that sort of thing um i think there's more grassroots level charity for me just seems to make more sense and is a bit kinder to people who are really struggling so i mean i go into some charity shops and they've got like you know your atmosphere and your george <laughs> and your papaya and your matalan for like 28 quid and like 16 quid and it's just like it doesn't even cost that much in those shops you know in Primarché or whatever you know and and um the pricing in charity shops is a, a very erratic a lot of the time and um anyway that was big waffle <laughs> Chelsea football ground edge of the box here in Fulham Broadway and I am going to hopefully be interviewing some other budding entrepreneurs here at the initiative that they set up here with the Chelsea Football Foundation. Next up I have four interviews with various different business ideas here at the Chelsea Football Club. Uh, one is with Vicky, who does body art. One is with Judah, who does um, incense and and 
fragrances and one is with Bobby who is a medium and one is with Matt White who has extensive experience in engineering in the music. Just give me your name and what you do and that'll be it. Hello. Hi, what's your name? Uh, Carl Southwell. Uh, work for Chelsea FC Foundation, running Edge of the Box Club. Fantastic. Um, how long have you been doing it here at the uh, Chelsea Football Ground? Four year anniversary is coming up in October. Um, about 4,000 startups in four years, so we're very proud. Okay, uh, I'll let you go, but you, your role here, can you just tell me a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, it's enterprise, um, helping adults learn the skills and the mindset of tomorrow. Brilliant. Okay, I'll let you go. Thank you very much. No Thank worries. you. I am talking with Vicky, who is uh, part of Glitzy Body Art. Can you tell me about Glitzy Body Art? Um, well, Glitzy Body Art is um, a creative thing. We do um, festival glitter and temporary um, tattoos. All... Um, can you do you have a website or a contact detail that you can um yeah you can find me on facebook um, instagram um what's your instagram tag it's glitzy body art glitzy body art (laughs) okay well i can see that you're very very on the move right now so i'll include you on my podcast lovely to meet you thank you (laughs) so that was it I'm here with Bobby, and Bobby is a psychic medium. So can you tell me a little bit about what you do, please, Bobby? Yeah, sure. So um, psychic mediumship is connecting to the spirit world. Um, Psychic would be based on your aura and everything about you, your past and your present, facts and data. And then the mediumship side, which is the interesting bit, is connecting to the spirit world where I will be given information from somebody you know, maybe a spirit guide or a past, uh, someone who's passed over to the spirit world on future possibilities, which is the bit everybody wants to know. Um, that's just mind-blowing. And what my first question is, not that I'm going to have millions of questions, but uh, how did you know and how did you get to this place where you are with what you're doing? Like, Was it from small personhood or teenage years or adult years or did you always know i've always had a fascination with death which has always been a bit weird um, now realizing that there is no such thing and life does continue um, in spirit form and that's kind of my job to give evidence um, based on the people who come through and prove that they're still around and they're still there to help you um, so my first experience was a lady gave me a reading when i was 14 i was very skeptical Skeptics are good. I welcome skeptics. Don't just believe everything you're told. Cynical, on the other hand, is a different story. Um, if you're trying to disprove it, don't bother. But if you've got an open mind, because um, I'm, I'm, I'm similar to you in that I go by instincts and that sort of thing. And I feel like as humans, as an animal, we've lost our instincts and we lose our sort of connection to Earth, connection to universe and spirit. And um, I find that uh, those people are lost and they actually and they they they're not open enough to understand what it is like light seekers like yourself tend to portray and it's so easy to dog something to poo poo something than it is to actually go with the flow and see where it takes you um so how 
so with that in mind how do you just like brush it aside and think okay well it's not for you and then you carry on to the next person who just basically is just like yes I'm please tell me what you know no I mean it's as long as as long as you've got an open mind so for instance I had a skeptical guy last week I'm, and I'm completely fine with that and I said okay I have a gentleman here I believe it's your father he only had half a thumbnail and he said how do you know that and I was like because he's here so for me it's great because the lights come on with somebody they see that it is genuine and that these people do exist and um, they will give me more evidence they'll give me childhood memories that they will have forgotten you may have forgotten yourself and that's that's the real that's what happened with me someone gave me a reading mentioned a ruler of all things that my granddad had and I was like I don't know what you're talking about and then ding the lights came on and I was like that's definitely my granddad because it's a memory I'd even forgotten. So, um, and that, how old are you when you had that reading? That was four, I was 14. The lady suggested I could do it myself. I used to do it as a party trick. So that was 21 years ago. And since then, um, I used to do it as a party trick and connected spirit. And now it's my full-time job. Um, and I love it. Absolutely fabulous, and thank you so much for the interview. I could talk to you all day about this, and um, maybe um, we can have more of a conversation at some point in the future if that's cool. Yeah, sure. And, and more information for anybody that's interested can be found on my website, which is www.psychicbobby.com. Oh, excellent. All right, thank you so much. Okay, I am with Judah. Correct. And what is your business name? It's called Rassense. And uh, can you explain to me on my podcast what you do, Judah? Uh, basically, I do things like burning oils, incense sticks, um, shea butter, um, cocoa butter. That's about it, really. Frankincense and myrrh. Uh, where, what sort of inspired you to do your own sort of stance on these products? Basically, I was buying most of these products anyway. Um, so, I, to save on money initially uh, for personal use, and then friends and family started to say, Yes, can you get me this? Can you get me that? So, I started to expand on that, and it's developed slowly, and now I want to expand it even further. Um, your branding is very much. Um the sort of Harley Selassie, uh, Rastafari um, uh, visual. Uh-huh. Um, uh, can you explain a little bit what that means to you or what we, what, how it's connected to you and your product? Well, it's no, it's, um, it's no separation. It's all one thing. So um, I'm inspired by His Majesty, Harley Selassie. Um, so I always promote the red, the gold and the green. <laughs> That's good. So, uh, where, where for the listeners out there, where can they find your product? Um, I've got a so-called site. It's called Judah More I, Yahoo.com. So, Is that a website or an email? You know what? That's why I've come here today to learn more about the. Yeah, yeah. That's good. No, it's it's good to like uh, start somewhere. And if somebody's interested in incense and cocoa butter and myrrh and. and Kingsense. I don't even know what that is. That's we don't, because of the Eurocentric. This is not a, a chip on your shoulder or a racist comment. Frank is a French German term. It's not relevant to the the ambience we're trying to create. This is more Afrocentric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not. Um, what are the original words that the Africans would have used back you know in the what? day? 
Because most of this thing is, when you go to search something, it comes up with a Greek definition of it. So I'm trying to get away from that. But Greek was a province of Africa anyway. So sometimes you go around in a full circle and you get back to where you began. Yeah. But I'm still learning about everything. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that um, as we've been colonialised throughout the last, you know, however many hundreds, thousands of years, um, we've lost... We've lost that uh, connection to our ancestors, and I think that now my culture as well from, in from India, originally? India. Yeah. But um, obviously, we all came out of Africa. You look Dravidian. You got a bit Dravidian. In of you. course, yes. Okay. I'm uh, Aboriginal Indian. Dravidian, yes. So, um, but my people have been invaded for ten thousand, for two thousand years. But ten thousand years previous, we were like doing very well. You had to run in... from the Hittites. <laughs> we <had> to... <laughs> yes, I see. I love history as well, and I think that um, you know it's a good thing for people like us to exist and put our, you know memory of or what we know to learn and keep interested in our roots and where we're from and so um I, i'm super interested in things like that I, do, I was just explaining to somebody i do like facial recognition scanning and like i'm very much interested in the history of dna and where our where we originate from um anthropologist eh? sort of an anthropologist or what no it's, it's just all by um observation okay. and um so like you were saying you know about Dravidian people like you so you 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 noticed that I was quite you know authentically Indian and I had I don't actually have that much mix in my you know well maybe my ancestors did but I've come out pure aboriginal like my dad people are nomadic you walked all the way to Australia all the way across you came from Australia originally, they say. Right, so this is what we're finding out, you know, and Hindus is, what, you know, the culture that we, we, you know, have been going 15,000 years, 10,000 years. We're slowly realising that our history was broken and we weren't allowed to practice those things okay. when we were being invaded. And people don't know that, you know, and so things like yoga coming into the Western world, you know, everyone bending their knee over their head and all that okay. sort of stuff. Flexibility. <laughs> I hope at some point they'll realise where yoga comes from and where, why it was, why we do it, and, and uh, the spiritual concept behind it. And it's not a religion; it's about a way of living, okay. and your attitude to life and, and death is the same thing. Um, so yeah, no, I always find anyone who's got some kind of vibration going on is is, is doing the right thing, you know. Um, so great. Um, is there anything else you might want to add? No, thank you for your time. No, thank you for your time. And um, I will give you the deets where you can hear the podcast. I'm here with Matt. And I've met Matt in Hammersmith doing a course um, about um, learning how to get, get ahead in business. <laughs> Um, can I ask you to tell me a bit about yourself, Matt, and um, just all your amazing stories? Well, not all of them, just a few. Hi. Yeah. Okay. Well. Um, yeah. Sorry. Um, can you just tell me your name, please? Yeah. My name's Matt. Matt White. And yeah, where do I start? Okay. So, um, my background is fundamentally in music. Uh, I spent about twenty years as a sound engineer and a record producer, working all kinds of bits and pieces through the nineties and the noughties. Um, I changed uh, gear after that and spent about a decade in a music tech startup um, where we built some of the first mobile global uh, music distribution services 
uh, and subscription services. So that's, yeah, an interesting and eclectic career path so far. Um, I, I have um, one of my first podcasts. I did mention you um, and your pitch that you did as part of our course that we did together in our group. And you um, had some old 60s reels of music um, that now you would like to then offer that as a service as to translate those onto modern formats. And um, tell me a little bit how you got into doing those things. Sure. Well, firstly, thanks for mentioning me. Um, <laughs> That's okay. I, um, yeah, my... My father, our family's in music, and my father was in music, and so there's a little story here. Um, he recently, um, was very proud of this, was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year, 2019, uh, March the 29th. Um, he was in a band in the late 60s, a British band called The Zombies, um, and they sort of uh, only really had one album and then uh, split up. But the real story here, I guess, is that, that they're a little famous now. They've certainly, for the first time, started earning some, some good money and they've been recognized for it. So 50 years later, um, he's celebrating that. Now, the reason I mention that is because uh, at the beginning of this year, he had suggested that some of the many, many songs that he'd written that he'd never released as a writer, uh, maybe he wanted to put a CD out. So we skipped to me going, that's a great idea. And what I then did was started looking for where these tapes might be, if they still existed. Um, what I found was that despite him proclaiming that there are no tapes, it's all been lost to time, was, well, the end story was I found 35 boxes wow. of, yeah, 35 boxes of, of professional studio tapes um, covering 30 to 40 years, around about, in total, there was 300 tapes, um, over one and a half thousand songs, um, but also just boxes and boxes of cassettes from the 80s, the 90s, and the noughties. Um, so far, we've been able to uh, archive these, uh, catalog them, and, and then uh, synchronize the rights, which is a really complicated area, uh, just making sure it's all updated. Um, yeah, so the wonderful thing here is, is that, you know, this really is quite protective of his work that I guess even a few months previously he thought was lost to time. Um, and we're very proud of this and we're releasing uh, some albums at the moment under the title of The Chris White Experience. Um, we're releasing album two and I think it just goes to show that sometimes boxes, boxes sitting in your attics can turn into valuable pieces or at least just interesting pieces. Yeah. Thank you so much. That's, uh, is there a website that um, people can have a look at what it is that you're um, working on at this moment? Well, certainly. I'll tell you what. There, there is, um, I'm taking this idea and seeing if other people might want some of their, um, their, their legacy work restored, saved, archived, made safe. But um, please, just to see what can happen from this, go and check out my father's website, which is thechriswhiteexperience.com. Um, the Chris White Experience Volume 1 is out now um, and features some great musicians and all of it unheard. And we've got a second album coming out in the next month or two. What a treasure trove. Absolutely um, fantastic news there. Thank you very much, Matt. What's your name? Wait, one second, let's start. Yeah, yeah what's your name? Jedida Agwanda. Okay. My name is Jedida Agwanda. Okay. 
Okay, and what is it that you do, Dida? Oh, well, I make um, handmade home accessories, and uh, my theme is vintage and boho chic. Okay, um, that sounds lovely. I was looking at your soft furnishings there. Uh, do you have a website? I have a website and a blog and YouTube and all social media. And what's on your YouTube? Uh, on my YouTube, I show people, I inspire people with the interior trends that are happening now and then also give ideas of uh, accessories you can use uh, to achieve this kind of looks. And what is your YouTube name? My YouTube name is Gigi's Maison. Could you spell that please for the listeners? Yes, that's J-I-J-J-Y apostrophe S and then second name is Maison, which is M. A-I-S-O-N Fantastic! Uh, I hope everyone there has a look at JJ's site Um, Yeah, and uh, thank you for your kind interview Yeah, thank you for the lovely interview and sharing my work, thank you No problem You've been listening to Mud Hot Please find me on Instagram at ASHADC or on Twitter at ASHADC1 thanks for getting to the end of the episode today here at Chelsea and see you next time